Okay, a lot of people riled up about this conversation regarding short-term rentals in our city and whether or not we should crack down on them. Uh, this is a move spearheaded by Councillor Michael Jans, uh, pushing to amend one of the bylaws in our, cities, in our city to bring in more rigorous regulations for short-term rentals to address the city's housing crisis. And, of course, uh, one of the supporters of amending this bylaw are hotels, saying uh, that... Obviously, they want to crack down on Airbnbs and Verbos. This is a main source of competition for them. So someone on the text line saying, what a loser argument because it's too big of a business. Your ability to start an Airbnb should not impact anyone else's ability to pursue a business. Uh, there are a lot of texts on this conversation, uh, and then some of them kind of go into more general conversations about city council. Scott says, anybody who complains they're doing a terrible job clearly doesn't vote that way because these councillors come back in for repeat terms, are repeat offenders, and still get voted in. Well, as we know, in the last civic election, uh, only 37% of eligible voters in our city actually cast a ballot to decide on this council. So that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to talk a little bit about the fact that we're two years in now to this council's term. How are they doing? And I would love to hear your thoughts on this one too, Ched Nation. You can send a text into 780-496-0063 and we'll get some more conversation on the air too, talking about this short-term rentals regulation idea uh, coming up. But first, our guest is political analyst and commentator John Brennan uh, joining us once again. John, we just spoke recently. Thanks so much for making the time to be back on the show. Hi, Chelsea. It's great to be with you. You know, you, uh, you commented on this in an article for the Edmonton Journal and, um, or sorry, for, for Global News, and you say that you would give this council a failing grade for taxing and spending. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I think the most profound decisions this council has made in the two years it has been in the office was in December 2022 when it approved the four-year capital budget and the four-year operating budget. And those are the budgets for 2023 to 2026 on the capital side and on the operating side. And in both of those budgets, they increased spending significantly. On the capital side, besides all the things that the previous council had already agreed to fund, they added things like the Lewis Farms Rec Center, which was a $311 million project, the Coronation Park Rec Center, which is a $153 million project, and as I said the last time we spoke, most controversial, $100 million over four years for new bike lanes. And the vote on that capital budget was 9-4, with the mayor and the progressive majority supporting it, and the conservative minority, Tim Carmel, Sarah Hamilton, Karen Principe, and Jennifer Rice opposing it. On the operating side, they approved the four-year operating budget, and that included a lot of additional funding for things like affordable housing, various climate change initiatives, transit. And the end result of all that, Chelsea, was a 5% property tax increase this year, 5% next year, 5% in 2025, and 5% in 2026. And that passed on an 8-5 vote with, again, the progressive majority in support. And the only person who switched their vote was Andrew Knack, and he switched his vote because he wasn't happy that council was withdrawing from the Edmonton Regional Transit mm -hmm. Commission. So I base my view on that because you can tell where a council is coming from, in fact, any level of government, by how they tax and how they spend.
You know, and I, I see so many comments um, online on our text line, too, about things that need to be prioritized, like uh, like getting the basics done, like you just mentioned, talking about transit, talking about housing, um, working, even, even just to name a couple on those two, trying to create reliable transit system in our city seems to be a big issue. And a safe one. Right. Do you think that our priorities, or this council's priorities, are just in the wrong places? Well, you know, it's the way they view the world, and it's what they ran on when they were elected. You know, you said at the beginning, we're at the two-year mark. They were elected on October 18th, 2021. And I will say to one of the texters who texted you in, this is a new council. Uh-huh. This is not a veteran council. There is nine new members on this council. And a lot of them ran on platforms to spend more on various municipal services and various infrastructure projects. And my view is they just got really carried away in December 2022 when they were setting the four-year capital budget and the four-year operating budget. You might recall, um, Chelsea, at one point during the end of the debate, and remember, this was a marathon debate, very much like the public hearings going on in the zoning bylaw right now. The budget debate was a marathon debate over about a couple of weeks late November 2022 into December 2022. And at one point during the debate, Mayor So he said, remember he was caught on a high, hot mic saying that we're spending like drunken sailors? Uh-huh. You know, I think a lot of them just got carried away with spending, not thinking about what the impact would be. But of course, you know, uh, listeners who are property owners who are listening to this program right now will get a reminder every May when they get their pro- property tax notice in the mail, seeing that their property taxes have increased. And it's not just residential property tax there, it's also businesses, particularly small businesses. And this is coming at a time, Chelsea, you know, as you know, everybody is facing the pressure from increased cost of living, whether it's inflation, you know, the increasing cost of utilities and everything else. So my view on it was when, you know, when I talked with Global and when I talked with Carol Ann Devaney the other night on, on Global, was that I thought it was really tone deaf and out of touch by council when they took these votes and approved these budgets in December 2022. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of appetite from uh, from residents of the city for a council to get carried away when it comes to anything regarding uh, our property tax or, or budgets. And you mentioned the yeah. fact that many of these councillors were new to their role two years ago. Yeah. And understandably, the learning curve to be a city councillor is really steep. Do you, do you feel that overall they've, they've learned their roles and their duties in a way that residents of Edmonton can be satisfied with? Or do you think that that learning curve is still something that they're climbing? I do. I, I think it took the new councillors about a year to really figure out the job because, you know, I've worked at City Hall and it isn't an easy job. You know, you have to learn how the committees work. You have to learn how to make motions and how to make amendments to things and how to get things done. Overall, I'd say for a new councillor, it takes about a year. So it took them all, all the new councillors, about a year to really feel comfortable in in their role. But now we're two years in. They know what they're doing now. They know how things work. And I think one example of the growth of this council, because I don't want to be all negative, I think on a positive side, you know, I think they really dropped the ball in December 2021 when they were first elected. It was two months after the election. And when they were finalizing the 2022 operating budget, that was a time when they chose, they voted, not to follow through with the increase in the police budget that the previous council had approved as part of the four-year operating budget. And this led to a lot of action 
acrimony between the Empton Police Service and Council. Then, over the course of the last year and a half, there was a lot of debate between Council, the Police Commission, and the Police Service. And this summer, they approved a new funding formula for the Edmonton Police Service that'll increase funding for the police based on inflation and population growth. And that approved that was approved this summer on a 9-4 vote. So I give the Mayor and Council credit on that one. You know, having fumbled the ball right after they were elected in December 2021, they rectified that decision this summer with the vote to um, set up a new uh, funding formula for the Edmonton Police Service. You know, uh, which I think is a move that a lot of people uh, really understood. It makes sense to uh, to a lot of people in our city because realistically, this council doesn't have an easy task ahead of them post-COVID in terms of things like social disorder, where you're going to need more um, resources for our police. Um, They've also got, you know, tasks like revitalizing our downtown, um, Mm -hmm. helping get creative with rising commercial vacancy rates. So what do you make of this council's ability to get the job done in those really difficult and kind of unique areas? Well, and they are tough. You're absolutely right, Chelsea. And, and you know, nobody thinks that we can police our way out of the crime and social disorder that's happening in the city, especially in the downtown, the inner city, the Boyle Macaulay area, the tent, tent encampments in Boyle Macaulay and also around in Chinatown. Like, you know, there's a lot of crime and social disorder in the city, particularly in the downtown, and you can't police your way out of it. Mm-hmm. it it's a very comprehensive approach to deal with the homelessness, to deal with the mental mental health issues, the substance abuse. And so they are working on that. And I think uh, to a credit to the city and to the provincial government, you know, it was just uh, announced at council a couple of weeks ago that starting um, this November, by November 1st, there's going to be 1,727 shelter beds available. And that compares with last January when there was 1,280. So they're making some progress there on dealing with the homelessness issue. But, you know, the whole issue of mental health and substance abuse and all the rest of it, a lot of that is in the provincial realm, Mm -hmm. but the city ends up having to deal with it, and the police end up dealing with it, even though it's not necessarily a criminal issue, you know, it's a social services issue. Of course. Yeah, Yeah, and, you know, saying that, I think, to to help us understand that this is not an easy role to take on, it's certainly not an easy job, but it is a really important one. Um, As we're getting, as we're having this conversation, we're getting texts in um, from our listeners. Ben, uh, with a really um, strong opinion, says, City Council in Edmonton and in nearly every other major city are full of activists and single-issue counselors who have neither the skills or expertise to run a hot dog stand, let alone a multi-billion dollar enterprise like a large city. Ben says, it's embarrassing. And I kind of go back to what you were just saying, John, about how, you know, you almost need a full year as a new counselor to really learn the ropes and sort of learn how this works. Should we maybe be considering a different type of, of, of model of who is eligible to hold these positions or how people can, can find themselves with so much? power and control in our city. Well, of course, we you know we live in a free and democratic society, and whether it's municipal, federal, or federal, anybody can run for public office. And it's incumbent on Edmontonians, when elections roll around, to pay attention as to who's running for office and to make their views known. 
you know, and we talked about the last time we talked, uh, Chelsea, when we were talking about the voting bloc on mm-hmm. council and the voter turnout in the October 2018, 2021 election, 37.6% of Edmontonians turned out. And so if people aren't happy with the way the city is being run, if they aren't happy with the fact their property taxes are increased, if they're not happy with the crime and social disorder downtown, you know, another issue we haven't even got into, and that's the whole issue of the completion of major infrastructure projects with the Valley LRT line being the poster child for that one and all the disruption around the city with regards to construction projects. Like, There's a lot of issues on this council's plate. It's not an easy job. I know that and I, I grant that. But, you know, if Edmontonians are not happy with the way the city is being run, they've got to get involved, encourage people who they think would be good councillors to run for office and, uh, and to make sure they get out and vote. Yes, like 37% of people cast a vote and then 100% of people are upset about some component of it. I wonder, John, if it's too early now at the halfway mark to start speculating about what the next council could look like or who from this council might make a run at, at leadership at the big mayor's chair. What do you think? Well, my view is politics um, functions like a pendulum. And when you have a center-left council like we have right now, you know, the pendulum is definitely swung to the left. There's usual, usually an equal and opposite reaction coming. And that is, I think the next election, two years from now, you're going to see a reaction at the local level in the ward races for council. You're going to see some people running from a small seat conservative perspective probably some people with some business background to challenge some of these progressive councillors. And I do think we're going to have a vibrant mayoralty race in 2025. I do think the mayor, so he will probably run for re-election. But I do expect that he's going to have uh, a fight on his hands. And I do expect there's going to be somebody who's, you know, a small C conservative, somebody from on the right, and somebody who will challenge, you know, some of the decisions that this council has made. So Cartmel? I think Tim Cartmel is going to be the person. You know, I've, I've had my eye on Tim Cartmel since he was first elected in 2017. And my view is he's a very solid counselor, like very smart, thoughtful. He's a small C conservative with a social conscience. And he's really distanced himself from the majority of council, as did Sarah Hamilton and Karen Principe and Jennifer Rice, on the, on the big votes on the city's capital and operating budgets. So he has set himself up. Now, I want to be clear, Chelsea, I haven't talked to him. In fact, sure. I don't even know him. Sure. I, I'm just saying this as a political analyst and somebody who follows city council closely. But I see somebody like him challenging Mayor Sohi in the next election. And what I've noticed, because, you know, I follow politics really closely, he has really raised his profile in the last three to six months. He's engaging much more in public activities and much more on social media. And that tells me this is some there's something brewing there so as i said to carolyn uh, demandy the other day keep your eye on tim carmel chelsea okay well we do have a ways to go until we're going to get there uh we'll see in in uh well i guess a relatively short amount of time uh if you're right john at the two-way mark the halfway mark uh really good to check in with you and and get your sense of, of what is going on with the city council thank you so much for the time 
Always a pleasure talking to you, Chelsea. Of course. You too. Take care. That's political analyst and commentator John Brennan talking about Edmonton City Council getting some mixed reviews at their halfway mark. Uh, some texts from you. Uh, 780-496-0063. Deb says our councillor doesn't reply to any concerns. As said by many people in our area, she's only in it for the developers. Uh, someone else saying uh, Andrew Knack, Principe, and Ashley Salvador have got to go. Total lack of accountability to the city of Edmonton. Uh, and someone else saying if we let this do-nothing attitude prevail, we'll have nothing but an old, broken-down city. And yeah, it goes to John's point. We all have an ability to cast our vote, and we'll get ours again in two years.